Hello and welcome to Mega City Book Club, the podcast all about the galaxy's greatest comics. I'm Eamon Clark. I'm at the Lawless Comic Convention, upstairs in my hotel room with Richard Sheaf. Welcome back, Richard. Hello, Eamon. It's good to be here. Well, this will be literally two weeks after your last appearance on the show, because <laughs> um, we're doing a, a little bonus episode we decided to do while we're here at Lawless, taking the opportunity. Now, it's Saturday morning. You and I have both just been sitting in the... Uh, the Art of 2000 AD panel, Brian Bolland, Mike Dory, John Higgins. Yeah, yeah, first first panel uh, of the day, uh, re- really good one to start with. Um, yeah, I was very interested, I, I've, I've seen them all separately at, ver- at events, conventions, uh, whatever, but yeah, but, um, but to see them all together was really good, really well uh, organised, really well run, uh, yeah, good, good start to the day. Yeah, well done Stacey Whittle, who's also a book clever, who moderated the panel. And you've got a book in your hand because we decided. Um, obviously, we've just done Masters of British Comic Art. Yeah. David Roach, who's downstairs as well, selling his lovely art book. Um, but we decided to sort of like throw in an extra one because there's another book that came out last year that we decided we'd talk about at some point. Tell us what have you got for us today? Uh, rather unusually, uh, I've chosen uh, King's Reach. John Sanders, 25 years at the top of comics. Right, so this is the John Sanders, uh, I don't know what you call it, his autobiography, memoir of his work in publishing. As you say, uh, Rebellion co- uh, Publishing, January last year, 21, 181 pages, £12.99 or £5.99 digital. Uh, it's a book without pictures, which is unusual for <laughs> us. Uh, although there is a cover illustration of him by Ralph Salon, I think it is. Yeah. So, fill us in for anybody who doesn't know, who is John Sanders? What's his relevance to us? Uh, so, so, John Sanders was a big cheese um, uh, at uh, IPC, um, Fleetway, as he became. Uh, you know, he spent his working life there. He edited uh, uh, many, many titles, had people working for him, and the people we're more familiar with, so the, the Stephen Manises, the... Um, uh, the Barry Tomlinsons, uh, and so yeah, so he worked there probably I think from the mid 1960s uh, uh, up until uh, well, the, the phase where, where Rob Maxwell bought out essentially the sort of the rump um, of the comics empire hmm. that, that was left. And actually, you know, John talks a lot in the book about you know because IPC you know was this amalgamation of all these titles that are just growing out. It felt like all of British publishing brackets, apart from DC Thompson, you know, was essentially in or being run from this one building, uh, King's Reach Tower, uh, and they were very much, you know, a, a team, sort of the, the boys' adventure comics side of things, uh, that didn't really fit in with the rest of the organisation. And, and his approach, you know, his very creative, dynamic approach uh, was very much he felt he feels at odds with uh, the rest of IPC, which, which was generating a lot of money from you know a number of sort of core legacy titles that had been around forever, you know women's titles, women's magazines, mm. um, sort of posh lifestyle magazines. Let, let, let's call them. You know these things were just bringing in so much money every week. It was just don't mess with those. Those are the crown jewels, and everybody else was a bit of a yeah, but you don't work on those titles, so. Yeah. we're a bit not very interested in you uh, and very very sort of stuck in the mud uh, approach um, you know that, that, that John rails against uh, in, in the book so 
Hmm. Okay. So, a fascinating figure. Obviously, there's one big key story for a 2000 AD podcast, which we'll get to in a moment. Um, he's been involved with some other big moments in British comics. I mean, you're a British comics yeah. scholar, so this stuff must have been quite interesting. But, of course, one of the things on my reading of the book this time that stood out was that he cancelled a certain original <laughs> comic, didn't he? He did. I mean, you know, he, I mean... You know, his, his legacy is a invent, the invention of the hatch, match, and dispatch policy, uh, which I'm sure we'll get on to. Uh, but but you're right in terms of you know if you work in that environment where you are launching new titles all the time, you are also you know cancelling titles. Yes. And you know somebody you know in 1969 had to put the original Eagle out of its misery. You know the the 1950 you know a day you know was a long time ago. And you know, John talks in the book about well actually you know each week you sell fractionally fewer comics than you did last week which is why you've always you know you've got to have a sort of a, a, a relaunch or a, a, a free gift drive every so often because you've got to get the sales back up but yeah just slowly 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 you know your the sales will go down if you're not careful and eventually like in the case of a eagle you will go from those sort of million copies sold in, in 1950 to 20 years later you're down to i don't think he gives a number but you know let's say you know about fifty thousand, and you know and at that point that you know that was below the threshold for which you know they were they were prepared to uh, to invest in you as a title and that and that was it and and he he cancelled it without much um, fear or worry or concern. I think he's quite uh, uh, a sort of blood and guts art capitalist. You know, sort of real yeah. sort of you know if this is working, it's you know I'm not hanging around for this title just because it was big twenty years ago. You know, it has to be big, it has to be popular now, and if it isn't. It gets hatch mats and dispatch. So uh, the original eagle would merge into uh, to lion, uh, and, and eventually, you know, actually, I think it sort of lion merges in. Does it merge into battle next? I can't quite remember the title. But then battle will then merge back into the new eagle originally. So it's sort of you know, it just it sort of it, it goes round and round and round. But I hadn't really when he talks about hatch match and dispatch policy the bit I'd never really thought about until John explains it in the book is around you know he sort of looks at DC Thompson titles and sees them selling you know let's say a million copies a week and he thinks well I can't invent a title that sells a million copies a week but I can invent five titles that sell 200,000 copies a right. week so that's a, you know that's a million copies so that's what he wants to do he can't generate you know he can't launch something that's just enormous he can generate five more sort of middling titles and that brings in the same amount of cash um, as one mega seller, uh, and then yeah, just to, to keep them going, uh, you hatch match and, and dispatch them. And he you know, runs you know an enormous number of you know, weekly comics. He's running specials. He's doing annuals. Uh, he talks about you know sort of you know for a while you know they don't do licensed material. You know they've mm. got enough. You know the the, the archive and the, the history they have uh, and the number of titles have. You know they don't need to do licensed material. Um, you know, but but eventually, you know, that that side of it will will come into it as well. So, mm. so yeah, he does make he's the tough financial decisions guy, isn't he? Yeah. It seems. Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah, he's very much the. It's you know, which sort of makes it slightly unusual. You know, I'm I'm not sure you know what the demand for this book was. You know, you sort of yeah. come at it from that sort of. You know who's out there thinking? I wonder. You know, I wonder about John Sanders. I wonder what he did. And I, I, I yes. don't think that question was being asked, but I think. If you want a you know a, a broad range of views about British comics, then you know you need to have Barry Tomlinson, you know, with his view. You've got you know Steve McManus, you know, has his book. You know, Pat um, and Uncle Pat has written books uh, about his time as well. So you know, and 
they're not all fair and balanced you know they're, they're giving their own particular view and sometimes those views you know will clash against each other mm. uh, you know and, but it's only if you see each of those views individually that you get a a rounder broader picture um, than, than you would otherwise have uh, and yeah, so, so I, you know so I'm you know, so I like that it's written down it's there it gives an insight into a world uh, of, of publication of uh, you know probably you know the the power of trade unions uh, into you know IPC which sort of came out of the you know uh, of amalgamated press which was the biggest publisher in the world you know publishing you know tens of thousands you know of, of pages you know just you know just the demand the insatiable demand that they had for for content mm. you know for art for scripts you know and just and you know in a pre-digital way you know you can almost not imagine how many people it required you know to move you know physically move art around to get to get everything done and for magazines monthly annual specials so yes yeah, it's, it's a, a snapshot into a very much a vanished world so you've mentioned the dispatch obviously <laughs> let's talk about some hatching particularly in the 70s because in the 70s he's sort of there and responsible for launching certain key titles isn't he Yep, yep. So, so he's there. He, you know, he, he sees again. You know what what DC Thompson are doing. Um, so he, you know, action. You know, um, is what you know on his watch, as it were. You know, so battle uh, is there as well. Uh, and and two thousand AD. Um, so they're all. You know, he's he's there. And, you know, he talks about. You know, he has a real love for creation mm. um, of, of a title. You know, and you know, an IPC. You know, was so enormous at the time that you could almost just sort of you know and he talks about the occasions when he went I think I'm just going to launch this magazine you know so incredibly sort of powerful you know organisation and figure within it to be able to say let's just do this and see what happens and you know it just well it sold 200,000 copies but that wasn't enough mm. so we just cancelled it so um, you know very you know wow you know it's, you know, an organisation that could just could just do that you know it had enough reach had enough of pulling power um, to be able to to do that mm. you know, in, a, in a way that would be very difficult you know I think now when we think well actually I don't know who's in King's Reach Tower anymore but I said oh have they even knocked it down I can't remember it's still there it is still there um, yeah. but yeah you know the idea that you know that building you know just full of people producing you know thousands of you know, they talk about you know they go to sort of you know the the NUJ file of the chapel you know they go to a meeting there's a couple of thousand journalists mm. there you know for you know whatever uh, the, the topic is under discussion so Yes, incredible size organization that you know that had then had the financial resource you know and the organizational resources to be able to say we want to launch battle right what we need is well, okay we have these artists right we need the printing presses um, you know uh, and you know just to be able to like you say hatch those tiles uh, on a regular basis and, and then support them um, uh, for the years in advance um, so yeah he's I mean he has a He's very clear in his book that you know you need really good uh, people, maybe on like the technical side, you know, to to know how to edit a title. And you know, mm. so he's very critical in his book of you know some of the uh, the other editors, you know, on different patches in different parts um, of, of IPC, you know, and they're sort of how that you know how they could never edit a comic, how they could never edit their own titles. Um, so yeah, it's an interesting. Um, to see how that all that, that 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 would hang together, but I think he's probably you know it's fair to say he's probably quite a divisive figure. Um, I think you know, I've, I've in in other books and things I've seen you know he's like I said because he's very much viewed as the money man. Yeah, you know, he clashes with Pat Mills around yes. creators' rights yeah. famously, um, yeah. and although he's very keen on having you know great sort of technical editors, 
he's not keen uh, on having or you know being able to retain those great creators who are obviously the sort of the underpinning architecture of the IPC uh, edifice and I, and I keep in the whole thing going and it gives a particular example about yeah but if you produce you know 30, 30 you know 30 pages in a comic and I'm producing 30 of those a week and they've each got an artist a letterer a scriptwriter you know that's you know that's like 2700 people a week I need to pay money to you know it's mm. madness so you know I couldn't you know this is pre-digital I couldn't possibly pay all those people you know the, the checks involved would be too ridiculous um, I mean obviously I would say well you just pay everybody a five or more yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know and, and that's it but he's very clear there's no money for creators but it turns out there is clearly money for you know and again he gives examples in the book about you know these enormous launches that IPC would have that would just you know they'd spend millions of pounds on advertising printing and the whole thing would be dead mm. within you know three to six months you know millions of pounds they were sort of happy to waste in the sort of hatch match and dispatch uh, you know almost approach to sort of women's magazine so yeah so some of it is quite you know I, I think quite difficult because you know on one side there's there's a lot of money to be made there are lots of ways to waste money yeah. but he's very clear that he's not prepared to waste money on creators rights yes. uh, and, you know, and, and that sits uncomfortably and clearly it sits uncomfortably with Pat you know who, who he clashes with uh, uh, in the book and you know I think you know John comes across you know as this quite sort of it's kind of like his arch capitalist figure versus Uncle Pat you know he's probably mm. at the opposite end of the political spectrum so how they actually worked together successfully you know even for you know one week, two weeks, three weeks, you know, it feels, it feels sort of hard, hard to imagine. Um, but, but, but they did for a while. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I found that section quite fascinating because, yeah. as you say, he clearly, John Sanders clearly recognises Pat Mills as a genius at launching new titles, and that's what he wants. Yeah. yeah. Um, but Pat says to him, I want, you know, I want creators' rights, I want a share of the profits or whatever, and no, 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 no. No, but yeah, just make me a battle, make me an action, make me a 2018, make yeah. me a misty. Yeah, and, and like I say, you know, John, you know, obviously, you know, he loves creation. You know, he talks often in the book about, you know, actually, you know, I don't want to sit in an office, you know, I want to sit in an office, you know, with a drawing board so I can sort of sketch out, well, actually, what, you know, he has this sort of ability to try and sort of, you know, to look inside the reader's minds and go, that that is what I really, you know, this reader, I think this reader exists, I think this is the magazine they want. You know, and, and you know, and, he's, and for a while, you know, he scores, you know, hit after hit with these magazines. Um, you know, obviously it's his book, so he can, you know, he, 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 he paints a good picture. But you know, but he, you know, he's also talking about titles that he can look at and say that, you know, that that reader doesn't yes. exist. Um, or, you know, on occasion, you have to look. You know, he is convinced that that reader exists. You launch it, and then it turns out that reader doesn't quite exist. I mean, the sort of the whole, it's like a sort of a Venn diagram of, you know, when you're trying to launch. You know these titles are well. It needs to be just about a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and just you know if you get it all to overlap, you know, boom, you know, yeah, you, you, you hit the the jackpot, you know, which is what they're trying to do every week. Um, um, and yeah, interesting. He talks about you know if you go to an editor and say, oh, can you just come up with a new title? You know, what about you know think about something different? And you know that editor has no ability to think about any other titles. They cannot be creative because they've got five days, you know, just all these weekly titles, you know, it's such a, you know, everything has to be done by mm. you know, Friday afternoon at five o'clock, let's say. And just, you know, the effort and the mental willpower to produce, you know, to get everybody, you know, the scripts are in time, the art is on time, it's been lettered, it's, you know, it has to be, it's all been done by, you know, by hand, you know, it's, it's got to go through so many pairs of hands before you can, you know, Friday afternoon at five o'clock, say, collapse in a heap and say, oh, there we go. I've produced battle this week. Yeah. Thank God. 
and then you come in on Monday morning and, and it all just and, and it all just relentlessly relentlessly starts again you know the, the you know it is you know they are all hamsters uh, on the treadmill uh, and yeah you know you can see why people you know you know, just it's a, it's a, a young man's game, and they, you know, and, and, mm. and they and sometimes you know they, they want to get off that treadmill and go, no, this is this is too much. So, yeah, it's interesting his views on the editorial process and some of the mm. projects that he lived through, you know, successfully and, and unsuccessfully. And as you say, he doesn't mind uh, annoying creators, and he doesn't mind writing about annoying creators. No. And if I get off topic of British comics for a moment. I'm, the one moment I noticed was that he was in a meeting, and I'll probably say this name wrong, mm. Goscony, the French creator of Asterix de Gaulle. Yeah. I've seen the name written down so many times, I don't think I've ever said it, but Goscony, he's in a meeting with, with uh, him, and he really pisses him off as well, doesn't he? Yeah, and like I say, you know, and he's not, you know, he's not worried shy about mentioning this no no no, no sort of, oh my god that's the most embarrassing thing you know he, you know he's one of the, you know single handedly you know one of the greatest creators of you know European comic and he's not it's not like he's having a meeting in London I think he'd gone to Paris yeah. to sit in a Paris publishing house you know big Paris publishing house sitting around the board table and he's still quite happy to you know to, to tick him off and, you know, and, and to annoy him uh, and, and has no shame in sort of yeah. re- recounting that uh, so yeah I mean some of the uh some of his memories and some of the things he writes down in the book, you know, are, um, uh, you know, are not, you know, quite how things occurred. You know, I think, if I'm honest, you know, there's a level of, you know, uh, fact-checking that yes. hasn't, that I'm, you know, I'm sure a level of it has gone in, you know, I'm, you know, uh, but the, but there's, there's there's not enough in there. There are things in there you think, no, well, that's, that that's just wrong. That's just wrong, which makes you worry slightly more about other things. Think, well, is that wrong? And and sometimes I think the chronology. I'm less clear about is this book moving through chronologically and you think okay you've talked about battles and so now we're going to talk about actions and so now we're going to talk about 2080 some of it it's more you know it sort of ebbs and flows a bit between so it's hard to sort of go well is that is that that meeting with Gossini where you're talking about launching that title because actually that title launched 10 years before yes so how does that title from 10 years ago that you were talking about two pages ago now tie up to this and yeah. so so yeah so there are bits that that don't hang together for you know so well and I think you know could be uh, could be ironed out but uh, it, it's odd I noticed there was some there are there are some errors in there that you've yeah. documented I think on the 2008 yeah. forums some factual yeah. bits and pieces you know dates and so on and titles that he gets yeah. he gets wrong because obviously he's got this long history he's writing this memoir long history in publishing uh, I mean a couple of other moments of course he does he's quite you know, as you say, he's quite keen on new comics. He's quite keen on British comics, yeah. and he defends them. And he famously goes on Nationwide with Frank Boff to defend Action um, in a piece of video that sadly doesn't seem to survive in the archive. But I think that's the one where Frank Boff allegedly tears up a copy of Action on on camera, and John Sanders was the one there defending it. I think is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, he's he's the man. I mean, I think there's an. I mean, I think Frank Boff will get involved. I think in New Eagle. I think there's a. Um, I think Frank Boff will also get involved in that. I think there's an episode with oh, it's a character called uh, it's the Hand, um, and there's an issue around is this he's sort of an Italian. It's got a haunted hand, obviously, right. uh, and he ends up talking about um, the, the story is the sort of the hand has a life of its own, although you know it's been re- surgically reattached to this sort of straight laced sort of guy, and it's actually is the hand showing children how to make petrol bombs. Ah, oh, okay. So, yeah. so, so you know, Frank Boff, you know, gets gets involved. In, in that story as well and again John Sanders has some examples in the book of you know people 
I think Paddy Ashdown as well, he seems particularly... You know, yes. Again, he's antagonistic <laughs> towards Paddy Ashdown with this sort of Paddy Ashdown rounds. And my constituent says this, what are you doing about it? You know, and he delights in writing back and, you know, essentially saying, well, your constituent is stupid because of the following five things. And um, But yeah, you know, John is the sort of the, that, the public face who has to stand up, you know, in, in front of the TV cameras for these controversial moments. Um, and I think for action... I think that occurs when he's on holiday or something. There was some, there was something, yeah. uh, and you know, and they sort of, and he's like, no, 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 I'm going on holiday now. You know, don't do that. I'm off on holiday, and then you know they do it anyway uh, when he's there, and he get any stuff, sort of cancel his holiday, and you know, fly back to London, sort it out, and then go back to being on holiday again. So yeah, he, he's then obviously very happy years later when you know when Frank Boff is rather than knocked off his perch, there is personal peccadilloes, and yeah. uh, you know, and takes great delight in that. Um, so, yeah, it's an interesting character, and it's um, yeah, it, it's a, it's an interesting book. I think you know, you know, we can overcome the fact that I think you know, it gives a great insight into into a world which which is long gone. Uh, and again, I think you you know, you need that range of views about what went went on. You know, I think that that enriches the picture we have uh, of, of British comics history, even if you think. I'm not sure I'd go for a drink with this man. Because <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned, obviously, there is Barry Tomlinson's written a book. Yeah. Steve McManus, obviously, the mighty one, which we've done on this podcast. Uh, Pat Mills is Be Pure, Be Vigilant, Behave, yeah. um, and so on. How do you find this one as a sort of, uh, as a, just as a read, as a book? Um, so, yeah, you're right. You know, sort of editing... Um, Titles or editor editor titles is is a niche market. Um, um, so I, I find it as a book. Um, I think you see. I mean, to me, you know, Sanders comes across as I think you know. I'm not sure if he's angry about sort of the death of British comics and you know mm. and that sort of you know and and that is you know that still grates at him uh, and you know that's what he's mourning. Um, so it's. Um, you know, which is not often the sort of thing that you know the, the powers of book. You know, I think if you read Barry Tomlinson's book, or you know, you know, he comes at it from a very different angle. You know, there's, yeah. there's, it feels like you know there's more love, you know, uh, in, in Barry's book. Um, so you know, whereas this one is is not is driven for a love. You know, it's from a love of the medium, but mm. you know, but he can see that you know, you know, in his eyes, you know, the, the, the trade unions have, have destroyed his, you know his beloved company that he that he worked for and was able to do. You know these, these amazing projects, and you know, bring all these titles, uh, you know, to, to give birth to them. Um, so um, it's it's interesting, uh, but it's yeah, he, he doesn't. I don't don't think he's worried about coming across as being a likable, you know, let's say uh, a buncular figure. No, he's he's not worried about that. So you know, so I think depending on your personal point of view, that might rub you up the right way, or it might rub you up the wrong way. Uh, he's also very much against accountants. And I'm an accountant, so, so I, I can't tell how much of my sort of slight dis, disdain is because he just keeps going on about the you know, bean counters ruining his life, and I think, but I'm a bean counter, so uh, yeah. So I need somebody who's not an accountant to read this and think, actually, uh, he's right. It's all the fault of the accountants, or actually, it's, you know, yeah, it's not. But uh, I mean, you're right. He's very, he's very clearly not the avuncular character. He's not the character who puts an arm around the creator's shoulder perhaps to help them on or anything like that but he's also very clear that's not his job is it his job is hatch matching dispatching you know bringing in the weekly sales all the time yeah um, 
you mentioned accountancy because obviously at the end of the book he uh, it gets taken over by the Maxwell whatever you know corporation um, and obviously it's written with the benefit of hindsight but even for me as a non-accountant it was clear that there was some strange financial stuff going on with the, the Maxwell's just buying stuff and they're not yeah, it's, it's particularly. I mean, you, you know, he gives a number of examples. So they, they've been. You know, so the Maxwells have, have, have brought, um, uh, have paid. You know, paid well over the odds uh, for the company. You know, and he tells them, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, John Sanders tries to put a bid together to buy the company. You know, eventually he gets so sick of being this sort of square peg in a round hole and being told, you know, you're just you're just the boys' comics. We're not interested. We're not interested. We're only interested in whatever it is. You know, women's own, women's realm. Yeah, you know, and it's just. And in the end, he's almost he's sick of it. And he just says, look why don't you just sell it all to me we'll just go away mm. uh, you know and this is a very strange concept really for, for IPC because they only ever bought things yes. they didn't sell things uh, and uh, you know and he talks in the book about how you know, that sort of sends a bit of a ripple of doubt through the building because if they sort of suddenly say oh my god well if you'd sell that maybe you'd sell Woman's Realm or Woman's Own or whatever it is or you'd sell The Enemy or Melody Maker or, or whatever it is so so he, you know, so, so he tries you know, he puts, you know, he gets the funding together obviously you know, he does a great sort of Dragon's Den pitch you know, you know and get, gets the money together but it has to go out to sort of public tender to sort of say right anybody else want to buy this mm. uh, and the Maxwell's turn up and, you know, and pay masses and, you know, millions and millions more than John Sanders can get his hands on um, and like you say, with the benefit of hindsight, you know it's you know it's a sort of they're they're acquiring companies that you know have large pension uh, funds available. Yeah. They may not have you know much, uh, um, but then you know he, but then he gives a number of examples of you know these sort of again he continues to have brilliant ideas uh, and of titles and of things that he wants to do and you know and you know works and works and works to sort of right we're going to launch this we're going to launch it we're going to launch it. I think you know there's all one where. I think it's a football comic, you know, literally, you know, they've done all the work for months, he's hired all these journalists, they're all, you know, it's just about a press go, I mean, literally, the whole team have gone, oh, right, we've done it, we've put the first issue to bed, and they're literally having their Christmas lunch, you know, and then Kevin Maxwell sidles up to him to say, we're not doing that, and he's like, but why aren't we doing it? Because we're not doing it. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's completely baffling to him, and, you know, that bit, you know, I, you know, reveals the sort of the, the side of his story, you know, where he is at his weakest, because... You know he's being all beaten by this, or you know this. You know if he thought he was an arch capitalist, you know then, then he meets Maxwell, who is yeah. this sort of you know uber arch capitalist, and and he just cannot understand. You know he's been brought on to create magazines, to run magazines, comics. You know and he can do all that, and he can do it very well, and he can get teams together. And he does it a number of times, and then each time it's just like it's just one issue, no issues. You know and the whole way he's like, well, you know we've we booked all the advertising, but you know the press is a book. You know this stuff is going to be produced, and like not interested he's, yeah. he's completely confounding and the end of that is the bit where he has my most sympathy you know yes. he is at his weakest at that point yeah. uh, and he's just completely he understands business completely uh, and, and it sort of, feels towards the end as though they sort of you know they break him but you know he's just he just cannot yeah. get his head around this whole thing and it's yeah, I mean, quite it's, sad the, yes the idea that they buy companies mm. But then when they, they bought them, they don't do anything with them. They don't spend any money on them. And as you say, he goes to them with so many new ideas and they say, no, 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 no. But if he mentions another company that they could acquire, they, get, they, they seem to get interested. You know, they'll say, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll buy that. But we won't spend any money on your new title. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's very confusing. And, I, you know, I'm sure, you know, it's, it's just as all the... 
the, the, the shiny new toy they want yeah. is a different company mm-hmm. rather than you know, John is there trying to develop in-house shiny new toys or here's a magazine and that bit is a bit like oh, that, somehow that's quite boring whereas buying something and, you know, I'm sure to do with the financial leveraging of the deal or something, some of that is more interesting that's more exciting than actually developing something in-house of your own that you could then sell to somebody else yeah. but you know maybe they think well actually we're never going to sell our, us as a company so therefore we don't have to develop things in house you know we just buy things that are successful rather than trying to develop things successfully you know which is what you know John Sanders is there to do mm. and is completely stymied in all his many efforts yes. to do uh, and, and is very you know uh, flummoxed you yeah, know, by, by, by the whole process, it, it, it's very odd. And then, yeah, with the benefit of hindsight, it's we now uh, know why. <laughs> we now know yeah, why yeah. all the Maxwells were doing. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right, fascinating. Um, any other sort of standout moments or episodes that he describes in the book that really stood out to you? Other things, um, I think I really. He talks about. Um, he talks about uh, sort of towards the start of the book. Uh, he talks about uh, so Ranger, um, which is a title uh, that Leonard Matthews was the editor of, and Mike Butterworth wrote all the scripts for, uh, and is brilliantly covered in our podcast of two weeks ago uh, mm. about the Masters of British Comics art. And uh, so Leonard Matthews is a sort of legendary, you know, um, IPC editor, you know, and he has an approach, you know, to titles, you know, which is based around cowboys and Indians and sort of. Uh, the the Middle Ages and the medieval knights and you know and he's, that has worked very successfully for a long time for him and you know and, and but there's a tipping point occurring which is that that approach is no longer working mm. and he really is sort of that sort of that this is a passing of the old guard from Leonard Matthews to people more like John Sanders who are are, are more in touch you know with what uh, children want so it's an interesting sort of phase where you know Leonard Matthews is completely convinced because his approach has worked for years and years and years and it just it starts to not work and so that's an interesting snapshot along with there's another sort of similar one further on in the book where they talk about uh, sort of the nursery titles so you know so Fleetway once upon a time would have produced titles you know really from sort of it felt like from the cradle to the grave and there's a moment where they suddenly discover that you know kids who are reading sort of Pippin or something actually love Donny Osmond right oh, uh, yes. and, and and then they go mad on Donny Osmond comics and make a lot of money for a couple of years on Donny Osmond comics and that's brilliant and they're all very happy about that but then they realise that actually they're not going back to reading Pippin now that <laughs> now the Donny Osmond the Donny Osmond phase is over you can't get that those kids are just not going back to those nursery titles somehow inadvertently along the way they've killed off this whole feels like whole genre of comics because you know the, the you know the sort of the cat is out of the bag or whatever it is to say actually you know we now want something different from it we don't want these so again there's another sort of inflection point there where yeah. the, you know the sort of the, the earth has shifted under his feet un, un, unknowingly so mm. okay I mean fascinating character yeah. he is you know a, a, it's a fairly as you say he doesn't sort of shy away from describing some of the tough things he did no. over the years. No. Um, uh, have you read Des Skin's first volume of his memoir that started coming out? Uh, yes, my yeah, the, the collection, uh, my my collection at home of editorial memoirs yes. is groaning under the weight of uh, of new publications. So yes, I, I've read volume one uh, of Des's memoir, volume one of 
I, I know he said five uh, on, on Facebook. You know, I don't know how much of that is true. And then I think I heard him talking on the Awesome Comics podcast a couple of weeks ago. About then, actually, at the end, putting them all into one big big book, <laughs> get everyone to double dip, and then buy the big book at the end. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, for so for Deskins, you know, for anybody who uh, hasn't read it, it's and Deskin is a very detailed sort of you know Deskin.com, I think history or you know his history. Uh, of his involvement in comics and fanzines and starting out in Ghoul uh, you know in the 60s with Derrin Collector uh, his sort of sales catalogue and then how he comes to progress from that to working uh, on, on titles like Buster and how you know volume 2 or 3 you know he will leave hmm. Buster and will go on to work for Marvel UK will come to work on uh, Warrior Comics International so you know so you know there's a lot to cover uh, and actually you know Desi's book is absolutely rammed with you know fantastic images uh, you know photos are great so yeah so really great images uh, you know very rare about uh, artists writers or in-house shots um, early you know titles that he, that he worked on so uh, so yeah so, so so that's quite a so yeah so volume one is out so far um, very enjoyable uh, I'll continue reading the others it goes on the shelf like you say with Barry Tomlinson's book with Steve McManus's book uh, there's all the, the other title um, that came out uh, probably t- maybe 25 years ago now um, it's called uh, Living with the Eagles uh, which is the biography uh, of Marcus Morris right. who is the editor of the original Eagle uh, and that's written by his daughters and you know that, that goes into that has the most sex in, I'd say, of all, of all, right. of all the <laughs> of all the publisher memoirs. So you know, that's the sexy one. Right? <laughs> that's the, yeah, surprisingly, yeah, that was like, oh yeah, this is oh, okay. Um, but again, you know, so he lived a very interesting life and, and, and covered a lot of things. You know, started off you know, launching Eagle, but would end up being in charge of uh, what they call Nat Mag Co, National Magazine Company, which is like an enormous. US publishing house so really you know sort of ended up absolutely at the, the, the top of the tree yeah. Um, but yeah from being you know this sort of uh, Liverpudlian sort of vicar to being actually in charge you know lived a very unvicarish life um, in, in absolutely uh, every sense so um, yeah so 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 I like that I like that one as well but uh, yeah I think probably you know from a, a pure 2000 AD point of view um you know, I prefer Stephen Manis's volume uh, over John's, um, but I think, like I say, for that that breadth of what's gone on, yeah, uh, then, I, then, then, I, then I appreciate that he's here, and I think you know if it's not written down, I, I was listening to a podcast a while ago, and somebody sort of said, you know, they suddenly, you know, their dad died, and suddenly they realised, oh, but we didn't write all that stuff down that yeah. you knew. Didn't tell the stories. Yeah, you didn't tell the stories. You know, so whether you like the stories, whether you dislike the stories, whether you're in favour of the stories, whether you're not. At least we know what the stories are. Yeah, um, and John Sanders tells us in a way the facts and figures. He tells us about the tough decisions. Yeah. yeah. Um, Steve McManus is a slightly more warm and cuddly presence as an editor. And in fact, he's downstairs yeah. sitting at a table with Alan Hebden. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he is. So, yeah. so uh, we should go down and say hello yeah. to him again. Um, forthcoming, I think Dave Bishop does talk about doing his own version of. What went on in the '90s at some point? I've I've heard that okay. rumored, yeah. uh, not really editorial. But Dave Gibbons's memoir is he's working on his autobiography. He is, yeah, yeah. I've, I was able to help Dave out just a little bit with that, with a back issue of IPC News, like sort of the in-house magazine they had. Uh, and I, I've only got I would like more issues, but I've only got one issue of that. But that is the sort of 
pre-launch of Tornado, there's a there's a whole sort of centre spread of Dave, sort of people taking photographs of the people taking the photograph, right? Of, of that, so sort of you can see this is Dave, uh, you know, pretending to fall off the roof of a building. So you yeah. know, so so it's got things like that in it, uh, and and I had that, and yeah, Dave's just said. You haven't got one of these, have you? Like, uh, you know, like uh, like a magician, I could just pull that rabbit out of my hand and say, "Oh, well, like, yeah, of course, I've got one of those." Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, so yeah, so I'm looking forward to, to reading that. And I think it comes out in this September. Certainly. Yeah, I think it's coming out this year, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, I'm yeah. Looking forward to it. That one, that one, I think will be. Knowing Dave is a very entertaining yeah. read, I should think. Yeah. 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 So, so, so I'm looking forward to that. Okay. Yeah. So King's Reach, uh, 25 years at the top of comics by John Sanders. You recommend it? Um, for, for completeness, yes, y- yes, uh, and you know, again, if you're not an accountant, uh, <laughs> you'll probably enjoy it slightly more uh, the, the, than I did. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's yeah, it, it, it's good to see those big decisions because you know we wouldn't have seen those from other people. So to, for the, the the breadth of what was going on in British comics, um, I, I think it's useful uh, to have. Um, Fantastic. Thank you very much, Richard. Um, just remind us, where do we find your blog? Uh, you find it at uh, uh, blogspot.com, uh, where I uh, continue in my one-man crusade to document, it feels like the whole history of British comics, uh, or one, one day at a time, every, every single day. Um, can't remember what's on the blog this morning but yesterday it was Tesco and their fun and games comic uh, 1969-1970 that ran for nearly a year Uh, and yeah it's just it's lots of strips based around you know advertising food Um, so but you know it's glossy high quality magazine that you you know comic that you could buy you know in Tesco's it was their in-house promotional tool um, that they used for a year Um, it's got some really uh artists in it that I really like so Don Harley um, who would work uh, on, on Dan Dare but he's a year where he draws a Captain Birdseye strip oh, right. uh, so, so I like his strip but you know a lot of the others are definitely you know the artists and the style uh, and the stories are you know are more aimed at the nursery end of things um, but they're, I, they have really lovely covers really sort of evocative sort of ladybird-esque you know real sort of 50s 60s you know Middle class, you know, blonde-haired, you know, uh, blue-eyed children in that sort of yeah, uh, ladybird way. Obviously, often drawn by artist Leslie Caswell. So oh, okay. uh, yeah, so so that that's what that was what was on yesterday. Uh, I've got a number of posts lined up for things, but yeah, it's the usual mixture of odd things I find on eBay, odd things I I acquire, ongoing pieces of work where I'm trying to come up with a complete list of things. So. I don't know what we've had in there recently. Like Inspector Gadget comics. How hard right. can it be to come up with a whole list of the covers for Inspector Gadget comics? It turns out it's harder than, than I thought it would be. There's only, <laughs> there's only seven, so how hard can it be? But I just, you know, I couldn't Google it anywhere. So I was like, okay, if I can't Google it, I'm going to start recording it. And then eventually I will get all seven images together. Um, and, and then I'll have them. And then I can think about, okay, you know. So, so I, I use it for that sort of, here's a problem. I don't have all all the all the pieces of the problem, um, but I'm going to start. Right. Because if I start, eventually, you know, somebody else will send me another image, or I'll find another image. And, ah, okay, right. We'll just, you know, we'll, we'll update that. So, uh, yeah. So yeah. So, uh, boysventurecomics.blogspot.com, or follow me on at Richard and Sheaf. 
perfect thank you very much Richard we are uh, you'll find all my stuff at megacitybookclub.com we are going to go down and rejoin the fray at Lawless anybody particularly to say hello to uh, well obviously I've got to join the Bolland queue uh, uh, yeah me too um, so <laughs> I've got to do that uh, Mike Dory just gave a shout out uh, in the talk we were just in uh, for Eric Parker uh, who's a fantastic sort of uh, Sexton Blake cover artist from oh you know more than 100 years ago but he yeah. does these sort of fantastic sort of hooded villains and figures and they've all got like a nine millimeter pistol and just, uh, Eric Parker's art you know I, I love and he worked again for Fleetway for you know decades and decades and decades uh, you know up until the 60s so I could go and talk to uh, to Mike Dory about that uh, there is also a Graham Bleethman has very kindly Graham Bleethman lives locally he has brought along a lot um, of his collection personal collection of uh, British comic art so that's downstairs so there are Frank Bellamy boards to admire there's Mike Noble there's John Burns there's Don Harley uh, yeah so so th- th- those are all to, uh, to to go and be admired this afternoon fantastic stuff well thank you so much for giving me your time taking you away from the Brian Bolland queue <laughs> <laughs> and talking about this interesting book um, until next time when we're passing judgement another great book from here at Lawless it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye for me.